Can you guys open up with me to Matthew chapter six? How many of you guys knew we were gonna do something a little different this morning? About five of us, okay. So for the rest of you guys, surprise, we're here, we're doing this. Um, with what Tucker was sharing, just to clarify, um, my hope and, and our heart is that uh, this morning is not a cheesy kind of graduation celebration, but it's us as a church family taking an opportunity to slow down and look specifically at some people's lives, um, specifically seniors who are graduating high school, and consider them and pray over them and encourage them and not allow this season to come and go and us as uh, a small portion of the church family who have been involved, whether you're a parent of a senior who's graduating high school or you're, you've been involved in youth ministry or you've seen them out there serving coffee or you've met them in the children's ministry as they serve or, or wherever, instead of just some of us being like, congratulations, we love you guys, good luck, see you maybe next time, I don't know. Um, I want us to slow down and really consider them, challenge them, speak into their life, um, and really, and really pray over them. And, and with that, what we're going to do is we're going to look at God's word. And as we do, as always, God's word is alive. And I, I, I just know that the Lord's word is going to speak into every single one of our lives as we consider the season that they're in and as we look at our own lives. And so um, I, I believe high school graduation is one of the few uh, coming of age ceremonies, coming of age moments that we have in the American culture that's still left um, a lot of different cultures consider and look at young people and there's a time in their life where there's this very clear transition that happens where they go from childhood into adulthood. I don't believe that's what high school graduation is, just to clarify. I think that should be happening, in, in my opinion, a little bit earlier and it should start that process of giving responsibility and freedom and challenge and walking into that should start way before you graduate high school. But it gives us the opportunity to stop and consider some people as they are shifting into a new season of life. And as they do, as with many of us, how many of you guys have been in a season of, uh, of change or a season of transition where something new is happening and you're uh, among the many emotions or feelings you felt vulnerable? It, can anybody relate to that? This sense of vulnerability? Um, my wife's grandpa this last week passed away and we went down to a funeral and um, got to spend time with the family. And it was, it was a very, very beautiful thing because um, late in his life, in his late 60s, he gave his life to Christ and he went from being a man who um, was, was hard and protective of his own heart and not very vulnerable and um, struggles with alcohol and a bunch of other stuff. He went from that to being a man who was redeemed and restored and free and just had a beautiful relationship with Christ and left an incredible legacy because of the last like eight years of his life, which is incredible. But as we spent time together as a family, one of the things that was just kind of in the back of my mind is when when life is changing, people feel vulnerable. Whether that's your parent that has passed away, that's your spouse, that's your brother. It's a season of life that we navigate through because the, as my dad always told me growing up, the one thing constant in life is change. We are constantly going to experience seasons where there's things that are shifting in our life. And so there's the, the passing of a loved one. There's um, a diagnosis from a doctor that changes everything, that changes how you, and at a, at a funeral, when there's, when there's news that comes from a doctor, when seasons are changing, it gives us a second to kind of pause and think about the things that really matter in life, right? And I believe, in a sense, a high school graduation can become an opportunity for us to do that. And so what I wanna do is I, I want to look at Matthew chapter six. If you're not there, please turn there. But for a minute, consider for yourself, if you have been in a season where things have changed, if anyone lived last year at all and paid attention, it seemed like the whole world got flipped upside down, at least our, our individual world and our sphere of influence. And when things start to shift and change and we feel vulnerable, how many of you guys find yourself as your default reaction trying to control things? Anybody? 
maybe the person sitting next to you, not you, but probably someone else in this room. Um, one hand, thank you, Kirk, you and me, bro, let's do it. Um, so often a, a default reaction of some people, not myself, of course, is to control things. Is we, that's our safe places. If I can't control this and if I feel vulnerable and like exposed to the unknown, at least I have this area where I know what we're gonna have for breakfast or I know what we're gonna do when we have some free time or I know what you're not gonna do when you ask me to do that thing again. It's we, we find areas in our life to try to exhort or it, exert some sort of control because it gives us a freedom of, it gives us a feeling of freedom. Um, for others, how many of you, and as we look at seasons where things change, um, how many of you guys have ever moved to a new city before? A couple of us. How many of you guys have moved to Boise recently? No, just kidding. Um, we don't need to talk about that. We love you guys. Um, I'm born and raised in Boise, so I can make that joke, okay? But my dad was from California, who, and he was actually born in Canada. And his dad came from Ireland. So just, we're all, it's just, it's like life. We just move around and it's great. But when you move to a new place or if you're applying for a new job, if you're going to a new school or if you're new in a new church, so often as we feel vulnerable in that place as being the person where you look in and you feel like you're the, everyone's looking at you or you feel like nobody cares that you're there. So often, has anyone ever found themselves compromising? where you compromise maybe what you believe or what's actually really, really important in order to feel like you're gonna gain a friend or an opportunity to feel comfortable in some degree. And so when there's change, I think sometimes we try to control things. Sometimes we compromise. Um, other times, anyone else just, when, when life gets hard and you feel vulnerable and things are changing about you, anyone else ever just wanna kinda just go hide and like quit life for a minute and just maybe close the blinds and for a couple weeks and watch Netflix and just, poison your soul with so much great stuff and just try to not feel anything to, to, to escape from the reality of things that you can't control. And um, I think some of those emotions, some of those feelings can be related to in regard to us trying to understand how some of these high school seniors who are now jumping into the new season of life, some of the things that they're feeling, I'm sure there's areas where they're, they're trying to control some things and it, and it looks weird as a parent, maybe you're looking on or as a friend, you're like, that's why, what are you, you're doing weird things. What's, what's going on? Or maybe you see them taking steps toward compromise and it's very challenging and, and discouraging to see as somebody who loves somebody. Um, maybe you see them kind of retreating and trying to just like, I'm just gonna just take a minute to sleep in until 5 p.m. every day and just stop thinking about life because this, that was a hard math test that I did online. With, on the second tab, I had the answers open also. Um, and so maybe, maybe there's that, but I think the most common response to that season of vulnerability and change that I've seen and heard so often from young people, and I think every single one of us can relate to it, is the word worry or anxiety, this sense of pressure of trying to know what is supposed to come next when you just don't know what's gonna come next. And so Matthew chapter six, I believe speaks directly to that for every single one of us. Whether you're graduating high school, you're moving, you're stepping into something new, there's things changing about you. Check out Matthew chapter six. This is what it has to say. This is Jesus speaking to us. Verse 25 it says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Amen. I feel like right there we could just walk out of here and be so encouraged. But I want to pause for a second. Something that stood out to me as I was reading through and looking at this, and I'm sure I'm not the first person and I definitely won't be the last person. But it seems like Jesus is telling us there's a choice in regard to our worry. Did you guys recognize that? It's a command where he says to us, do not worry about your life. You have the ability to choose. And I know this is a sensitive subject. This is very hard because these are emotionally charged waters, not necessarily just for seniors who are graduating that feels like their whole life is changing, but every single one of us in times and in seasons where we do default to worry when we don't have control over something or when we're feeling like things are changing about us and then to hear the message say, Jesus said, don't worry, chill out, bro, relax, take it easy. 
That, uh, that's not what I'm trying to say, but I believe the Lord is speaking something very challenging to every single one of us. It's really clear. It says, do not worry. There's a choice in regard to what you do with your worrying. And I want to pause. Somebody grabbed me after first service and asked a really good question. Hopefully I can kind of clarify this for a second. I think, I, I hope we all know the difference between worrying and thinking. Jesus is not saying, don't think about your life. Don't think about tomorrow. Don't think about what's going to come next. He's not saying, don't make plans and consider the future. What he's saying is he's saying, don't worry about it. Allow that pressure and that weight to be lifted from you and entrust it on the Lord to take care, to guide, to direct as you consider, as you think, as you pray, as you process. But it goes on. I believe he gives us a little bit of a how-to. Verse 26 says, look at the birds. I think he's saying, consider this. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not of more val- Are you not of more value than they? Which the answer is, of, of course. Which of you by worrying, verse 27, can add one cubit to his stature? What does worrying add to your life? Is the question. Verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and as I look at my lawn, it looks beautiful, it's green, and yet tomorrow it will be thrown in the oven when the sun comes out in Boise summer. Will he not much more clothe you? It's this very real picture into our life of look at the, look at the fields. Look at, your, look at your yard. It's beautiful when flowers bloom. Look at the lilies, consider them. Are they not so incredibly beautiful? And yet they last for just a couple days. Your Mother's Day flowers are, have all... Are they all blooming still? They, yours? Where'd you get your flowers? <laughs> I mean, uh, they go quick. And he's saying, consider that. But then he says something here, which I believe is, is, is really the key for us. He says, oh, you of little faith. He's making reference to this idea that your faith does affect your ability to worry or not worry. There's something connecting these things here. And verse 31 says this, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. Instead of worrying, he says this in verse 33, But instead seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. How many of you guys have seen that on a, on a mug before or a picture? It's a very, very common verse because it's so powerful and it's so clear and yet so very, very challenging. As I, as I was looking over this, I, kind of a light bulb moment for myself. Um, how many of you guys seek last the kingdom of God and his righteousness? How many of you is that more often our default than seeking first at least? Maybe we seek second or third. Maybe we seek the advice of a spouse first. Maybe we seek the advice of a mentor first or second. And then so often, I don't know about you guys, we don't need to do a raise of hands, but for myself, so often I find myself struggling and wrestling through things and then realizing in that moment, man, if only I would have started and asking the Lord and bringing this thing and really surrendering it before him instead of trying to figure it out, instead of trying to control it on my own, instead of finding myself compromising in areas, instead of finding myself just so overwhelmed with the circumstances that I wanna just hide from life for a minute, to seek first the kingdom of God instead of seeking his kingdom last. And so I want to I pause there for a second because how many of you guys at least know a little bit about what I'm talking about? The challenge of seeking first rather than seeking later the kingdom of God. For you seniors who are graduating, something that I want to really challenge you with is to have the courage to do what every single one of us wrestle with every single day of our life, is to be people who seek first the kingdom of God. But the reality is, is some of us, many of us, will fall short, will fail, We will seek 
second, third, fourth, maybe seek last the kingdom of God. And to that, I want to share something. Just my prayer for us, for you guys, is that if you venture down that path, my prayer is that you would fail fast. That as you step out into something and the, the massive shift is happening, going from having people speak into your life or being brought to church by mom still as you're 18 years old and now you're like, oh, I'm gonna do this on my own, I'm gonna figure this out or couldn't wait to get out of here, whatever it may be, or you just wanna experiment a little bit or see what's out there, is it really as bad as people? If you venture down that path, my prayer is that you would fail fast, that the Lord would pull the rug out from underneath your feet quickly, that you might not have years of aimless wandering as you continue down that path. And as he does, because the Lord is so faithful, the word says that he draws us with cords of love. As that happens and he is drawing you to him, as you have fallen, as you, as you have compromised, as you have lost control and because of that, you just want to quit. My, my prayer is that you would remember Acts, 9, or Acts 3 verse 19. That says, repent therefore that times of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord. That in those dark days, in those moments where you have wandered, you have lost track, you find yourself in a place where you never thought you would be because the reality is for some of us that is going to happen. That is the desire of our heart right now is to do something other than what we have been told, what we've been directed in and what we've been encouraged in. And when that happens, my prayer is that you remember to repent, to turn around, not that you may be judged or beaten or mocked or ridiculed, but that you might understand the refreshing that comes in the presence of the Lord. The refreshing, the renewing, the kindness of God, the love of God. And for others, for the rest of us, for anyone else, as we set to be people who seek first the kingdom of God, I believe ultimately it's a life of daily surrender. And why do I say that? Check out verse 34. It says this, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. But instead, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I believe the beauty there is again this challenge, this recapping of you have a choice in regard to worrying and allowing worry to direct your life and control your life and control your emotions. But the freedom has been given to you by the power of the Spirit living within you as a born again believer to not worry to surrender that worry, to surrender that loss of control and to entrust it to the Lord. And in that, the beautiful picture that I see from here is that it's a daily thing. Don't worry about tomorrow. Be faithful today. Take care of today. Honor what God has set in front of you today. Honor the responsibilities you have today. This isn't an excuse for you guys who are graduating to say, oh, I'll figure out what I'm gonna do in a couple months when I get there. Again, you have the freedom and I'd say the wisdom to think about tomorrow, but not to allow the worries of tomorrow to control your today. And one last thing, if I could, can I? One last thing, okay. Philippians chapter one, verse six. Paul wrote a letter to this church in Philippi, and this is his, his exhortation, it's such a beautiful passage that I think expresses our heart as a church to one another to each other, to the graduates, to those who are suffering, who are discouraged, to those who are confused. In verse six of Philippians chapter one, he says this. He says that his confidence, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's our anchor for our soul. In the seasons that are beautiful, in the seasons that are tragic, that we would instill encouragement and faith in one another as parents. Maybe this is for you to pray over your young people as they venture into this new season to say that I am going to believe what God has begun in them, he is going to complete. He's not gonna allow his work to return void, his word to return void. This what God has done, the seeds that have been planted, God is faithful. And so if I could say, Two things to the seniors who are graduating to us as a church family in seasons of vulnerability and, and feeling like we've lost control and whatever 
is to choose to not allow our worry to control us and to believe that God who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. So what I wanna do, you guys, is I wanna pray and we're gonna be here for about another three hours and so be ready, no, just kidding. But um, what we're gonna do is there's gonna be a quick video. Just wanna give you guys a little idea about the flow of what today is. There's gonna be a quick video from some of the, the individuals, the mentors, the youth leaders who have been involved in, in these high school students' lives, just because I think it would be a joke if I was the only person who had the opportunity to say anything, because we all know it takes a village. It takes a community. It takes far more than even just two great parents to see a young person grow and develop into who God would have them to be. And so we are so thankful for the tiny privilege, excuse me, not the tiny privilege, the massive privilege for the tiny opportunity, excuse me, the idea that we have had such little impact in regard to the way parents, you guys have invested. We are so thankful for that opportunity. We get a little snapshot of their lives and the ability to invest in them. And it's definitely not just me. And so we, there's a lot of other people. So Reggie's gonna share a little something. And then um, Connor's gonna share something who he oversees the college ministry and helps out in so many ways with the high school crew. And then we're gonna have a couple parents um, come up as we invite the high school seniors to come up and we're gonna pray for them. So if you guys need to go do your hair real quick, don't worry about it, you're fine, but let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this time. We love you. Thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you that we get this opportunity just for a second to slow down, to again, look at your word as it speaks into the different seasons and eras of our life. And so God, as we look at these young people, we are so excited. We are filled with hope for their future. God, for the good things that you have in store for them. We are eager to see just your heart and your desire to be fulfilled in them and through them. We are so inspired and so blessed by them. God, thank you for the opportunity you have given to us as a church family to get to know them, to see them, to watch them grow, to be a little part of that journey. Lord, what an incredible blessing. Thank you for their lives. We pray that you would show yourself to be faithful in and through them, Jesus. So we commit them over to you. And God, we ask that you would teach them. You would walk with them. You would challenge them. You would encourage them. You'd give hope where there's hopelessness. You'd give direction where there's seeming, seemingly blindness. Just be with them, Father. We love them. We commit them to you. We pray it in your holy name. Amen. Check out this video, you guys. graduating senior class of 2021. We are so thankful for each of you. It has been such a joy to be able to serve you. And to see you grow throughout your time in our student ministries. We want you to know how incredibly valuable you are to us personally and collectively as a church family. You've worked hard to get to this moment and we couldn't be more proud of you. We know that this wasn't the ending to your high school years you expected. But remember, everything you've achieved, everything you've learned, each experience, the highs and the lows, will all be used by God for good. We believe that great leaders are developed through challenging circumstances. We know that God has incredible plans for you. Whether you're certain of what your next steps are, you haven't yet decided, or you have no idea, we know that God will do great things in and through your life. As you continue to pursue and love Jesus with all your heart, He will walk with you each step of the way. Thank you for allowing us to be part of your journey. We can't wait to see where God takes you. And how he works in and through you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Amen. Amen to that. Um, hi guys. Uh, my name is Reggie. Uh, for those of you I haven't had the chance to meet yet, I'm the family and middle school pastor here at Calvary Boise. Um, the journey that your students are on, I think, is an amazing journey. I feel like there is an incredible amount of growth that happens in middle school alone from sixth to eighth grade is ridiculous. Um, and just, I guess, kind of paint a little difference of the two. Uh, I had a student, a dear, precious young guy come up to me uh, earlier this year and tell me a joke. And, and I got to tell it because this is so middle school. He comes up to me, he goes, hey, Reggie, why did the chicken cross the road? I'm like, why? He says, to get that idiot's house. I'm like, 
like exactly what you're doing right now. And then he says, okay, I got another joke. I'm like, all right, go ahead. He says, knock, knock. He says, who's there? He goes, the chicken. <laughs> That's middle school ministry. <laughs> um, very humbling. Humbling, thankless ministry. Um, the... It's very different in the high school ministry. Um, and obviously, they still have that uh, candid nature about them as they're in high school. But, but they've developed a lot more in uh, life and some of the experiences that they're having. Um, I get to banter with them and play. Uh, we do a lot of gaming. Um, we, we have some moments where we sit down and we debate the issues of life. Um, but Parker is in a position with the high school students where they're experiencing a lot of the things that we're just kind of setting abstract foundation for um, because they haven't experienced it. I mean, he's getting questions like, what's the role of women in ministry? Not because they're curious, but because they're wondering where their life is going. Um, what about atheism? Like, like how, what is there that, that proves that there is a God? Because these are conversations that they're actually having uh, with other students. What about homosexuality? Um, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? And, and these are experiences that they're having uh, in the classroom or out in the community with their own friends. Um, does slavery or does God condone slavery? So these wrestlings are, are, are showing us some of the maturation process that they're undergoing as they get older. And ha they're having these experiences where it's no longer just kind of the, the concepts that we're going to have to teach them. So when they get out into the world, they're going to have to walk in the foundation of who Christ is. Um, but it's being lived out because they're experiencing it at their age once they hit high school. And then again, in college, it gets more intense or when they become of that college age and they begin to launch out into the community and they're seeing this different philosophy by which the world lives. Um, I want to look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, and I'm going to take a couple moments to point out three things in here uh, really quickly. And then we're going to have Connor come up and share some next steps. Um, and this plays off of what Parker shared in Matthew, especially in 633, where it says, seek first his kingdom and all these other things will be added to you as well. It's, it's the, the process. If I call myself a follower of Jesus, it's the actual following. It's the actually seeking out of the kingdom of God. And I fear that there is a very, um, to use the word abstract, I think that's a very abstract thing to a lot of people, especially young people growing up, because what is that? What is seeking the kingdom of God? What does that look like? Well, I think we have some help here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. He says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The true heart. And I guess first he says, let us draw near. Um, if you've spent any time in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, you see that the journey of the Hebrews wasn't flawless. Uh, that there was a need for them to draw near to God. Um, and then in the coming of Christ, there's this opportunity to draw near to Jesus by grace or to, to God by the grace that's extended through what Jesus does for us on the cross. And ultimately, that's what he's getting at. Here he's saying, let us draw near. Like we can come boldly before the throne of grace in our era. Thank God. He's made it available to us. So he's exhorting them, let us draw near. And he says, with a true heart, draw near with a genuineness, draw near in the reality of your existence. Okay, it's not abstract. It's not this, this concept that maybe one day you'll get it and you'll be able to walk in this thing called truth. But he says with the true hearts, the same thing that Jesus is saying to the woman at the well, that God desires those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. That your prayer would be like Jesus tells us to pray, your will be done. God, what do you want? This, this trueness of heart begins in, in this submission to God's will for you. That, that you would be willing to say, God, I, I don't know where this is going, um, but I believe you've called me to move to Boise, Idaho, um, and they don't even like people from California. 
So I'm just considering myself a missionary to the lost. As we come up here, God, what do you want in this? What do you want? Um, I think it's a hard thing for many people to come to, especially as young believers, because we feel like maybe God's going to send me someplace I don't want to be. Maybe, maybe I'm going to find myself deep in the jungles of India or deep in the jungles of Africa where I, I have nothing but juju men or these militant uh, Muslims are going to do everything they can to kill me. And I'm going to have to run for my life every day and say, hey, Jesus loves you on the run because these people are hard against where I stand in the Lord. That's a legitimate fear, but I think it's not realistic. Uh, it's possible God may send you to those places. That's reality. So it's hard to say, God, I want to submit in everything. But that's what God is asking us to do. I, um, I remember when I was a kid, I prayed growing up in Lompoc, California, which is north of Santa Barbara. We call it the Santa Barbara Ghetto or Lompton. Um, I remember I prayed, Lord, like, don't ever send me to Africa. Because you see all the commercials on TV of the hunger and a lot of the civil wars that's going on in many of the countries. And I pray, Lord, please don't ever send me to Africa. Like life looks hard over there. And life is hard in many parts of that continent. Well, we went to Africa and I had the opportunity to go deep into the jungles of Africa on one trip in the middle of the trip, realized that there were no other Americans with me. And I'm in the middle of the Liberian jungle, thinking like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> like all of a sudden, I, God, you did not answer that prayer. And thank God he didn't, because I loved every moment of it, every moment of it. It was one of those opportunities where I got to see God work in ways that I never would have. So that submission to God is something that God is going to use to, to build us up in the thing that he's called us to be. I don't know what that direction is. I don't know what the thing that God has called you to be, but I think that true heart that says, God, I'm willing to submit in everything. God, allow your Holy Spirit to guide me into all truth. That's what Jesus tells us in John 16, 13, that he will guide you into all truth, that I can stand upon that. And I can have the assurance of faith that God is going to do a work here that is not for just no reason. A lot of you guys have been through some hard stuff. God will use that. If you are willing, he will, and let me not say just use it. He will redeem that if you're willing to submit to his way and his will. This is walking in faith. You trust that God's word has answers and they're true and you are willing to obey even when you don't fully understand that you would have a true heart. He says the full, in the full assurance of faith. I, I pray that this is your filter Okay, that full assurance of faith is directing us to the word, that we would measure everything through the word of God and fight to find a way to obey what it says as you believe God, as you love God. Once again, your will be done. These work together. The true heart, willingness to submit to God. I'm going to stand upon the foundation of truth, the word that God has given to me, the revelation of himself, the calling that is upon me, that we would stop asking, God, 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 what's your will for my life? That's a constant, constant thing that I think we pursue as followers of Christ. I think we need to stop asking, God, what's your will for my life? Because he's told us what his will is in the word. He's given it to us. Here's a few examples. <clears throat> God's will is that you would study and that you would live in submission to his word. Joshua 1 says this, Joshua 1, verse 8 and 9. And this is a, an Old Testament example. The book of, this book of the law, in verse 8, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. What should we do? All that God has pinned for us to understand what his will is. It's the word. Here, he's talking about the scriptures that they had. It was the, it was the breakdown that Moses had given them, and the law was in that, and they were to abide by the law. In our day, we have this new covenant in Christ and he sent the apostle Paul and Peter and James and they wrote out epistles telling the church how they ought to live. God has given it to us. That we would take it and that we would read it and that we would absorb it and live it out is the calling of God. That is God's will for your life. Okay, the New Testament version says this in 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 15. 
do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. All this is, is, is a complex way to say, read your Bible. Read your Bible. And don't read it like a storybook, but learn it, like memorize it, and understand it. Study it. Study it. It's, it's in there for a reason. Do word studies. It's weird, man. The Bible is crazy accurate about who the human is, which I guess it's not that weird. God wrote it, and we were created in his image. So it makes sense that we would abide by it. It makes sense that we would live in it, that we would fully submit ourselves to God and say, God, I'm going to allow your word to be the foundation that I filter everything in my life through, every decision that I make. I'm going to live in the full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I think he's at the, the inner person, the heart sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and the outward person, our bodies washed with pure water. I believe he's saying very much the same thing in Romans 12 where he says, let your bodies be this living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you would know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, it all works together. There's this symbiotic relationship with this true heart, this sense of submitting to God to say, I'm genuine about this. God, I'm serious about this. Where? Where? Where would you have me live this out? Because I'm not going to waver in what you're telling me to do. What I've learned in your word, I want to put in practice in my life with a genuine heart. And what I do, the, thing, the way that I live, the behavior, I'm going to choose to do what's right before the world. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This is the anchor that holds us, that even if we're wrong, if we're wrong about this whole Jesus thing, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, if Christ is not risen, then we of all people are most pitiable, for we live a lie, which is a bummer. If, if we're wrong, which I don't believe we are, there's still glory in that. There's still glory in living a life submitted to God, the God of the universe, even if we live the lie, we live that lie with a pure conscience. We're still able to rejoice at the end of our life about the good life that we've pursued and how we've enjoyed it. And the people we've impacted with love and joy and a thankful heart, humbly and lovingly infecting the world around us toward justice and what is right, pointing people toward the meaning of a loving God. Amen? That's if we're wrong, <laughs> and we're not. There's way too much evidence God has given us of the interaction of Christ in the life of people. Guys, it's amazing. You know what, where is, I don't know if he's in here. Is Derek in here? Where's Derek? There he goes, over here. Okay, a couple of you guys were at the concert a little while ago. Um, what God has done in this guy's life is the, some, of the, some of the evidence of the outworking of Christ in the life of a person who decided on their own that they were gonna live their life on their own and then one day submits to Christ and experiences this crazy transformation. He's renewed, restored, he's renewed, transformed by the renewing of his mind. Okay, this regenerated spirit where there's, there's life flowing from his life. That's only one example. If you know Christ in here, raise your hand. There are the other ones, okay? Those are the evidences, the living evidences that we have in Christ. Um, a couple words that I'm gonna share, just kind of practical wisdom stuff for young people about to launch out that people shared with me over the course of my journey. Um, number one, find a fellowship. Find a place to make friends and worship with them that we would join together as the body, encouraging one another and building each other up. Um, find, find a fellowship, find a community of people that you can worship, that you could live this out in. 
where you would be willing to submit to God, study and grow in his word and choose to exemplify a behavior in the world around you that's gonna be without regret. Just doing what's right, living a life toward what's right. The second one is live like love matters. Live like love matters. I think if you just did that one thing, it would change the world around you. The impact you'd have on so many lives. If you just lived like love matters. Two greatest commandments, love God, love people. Love God, love people. Number three, rediscover how to relate to God on your own. Not because your parents made you come to church, not because there was some deal that you had with a grandparent if you went to church so many days throughout the years and you got 200 bucks when you graduated. <laughs> there's, there's you and God. Rediscover how to relate to God. Rediscover how to pray. Rediscover how to, to break away from everything around you to just take your Bible and open it up and just try to start reading. And stuff that you don't get, you pray, God, guide me into all truth. Jesus said you would. Guide me in the truth. Help me begin to walk in relationship. You, you've given this. Okay, you told me that. Now, now, how does that work out in my life? Turn the other cheek. Man, that's tough. Because I hate my little brother. He's always punching me for no reason. Um, but you submit to it and you live it out. And you live like love matters in you rediscover how to ultimately submit to and walk with God. Last one, number four, preserve your precious soul by doing what is right at all costs. Too many people go off to college. Too many people leave their parents' house. And for the rest of their life, they wind up regretting the things that they did when they first launched out. It doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to live with regret. Just do what's right. Trust that what you've been taught is a foundation. Jesus says, anyone who hears these sayings of mine and does them is like a wise person who built their house upon the rock. When the storm came, it says the wind beat upon the house, the, the flood rose up and beat upon, the, it still stood, it was fine. But, he who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them is like a foolish person who built their house upon the sand. And when the storm came, the house fell and great was its crash. Okay, this is, this is Jesus letting us know that there are foundational things that he taught that we can stand upon that will help us do well in this life. He's adding on to obey your mother and father that your days may be long upon the earth. Okay, and that it might be well with you. And it might be well with you. Why? Because you're doing what's right. You're pursuing what's right at all costs. Um, to the parents, I say this. Pray for your young people. Um, pray for them as they launch into the world. Pray for them as they're in your household. Um, pray for their behavior to allow for a clean conscience before God. Pray that when you're not there, they would make choices and that the Holy Spirit would be there with a belt whooping their tail when they have the opportunity to do something they shouldn't be doing. That they would feel the conviction of the Spirit and they would live in obedience to the Lord. That they would want to honor God, that they would want to please God, even if it makes them look different than everything else around them. Pray for God to guide them into truth. Pray for God to bring mentors to help guide them and confirm that that truth can be rightly divided in the word, that this is what God says. This is the right way to go. And lastly, pray for their souls to grow in thanksgiving, being clean and able to rejoice in the life they lead. I always tell people, at the end of your life, what's it like? Is you are old and you're laying on your deathbed, can you look back on your life and say, man, it was a good run. It was a good run. Your family's there with you. Of course, they're sad. You're going away. Of course, you're sad that you're leaving them behind, but everybody in the room knows this is good. 
I want to be like that guy. I want to be like that woman. Like there's an inspiration in your passing because they've seen your life. Or, or is it the opposite? Are you, are you on your deathbed full of regrets and the people that should be there are not there? And all you can do is be angry at God or angry at the people around you because they don't care. What's, what's it like? What is it like when you're on your deathbed? The decisions you make today are going to determine what it's like. You have an opportunity. Let me pray for you guys and then I'm gonna have Connor come up. Father, I thank you so much for just the glory that we have in Christ that isn't this future untouchable thing, but there really is an impact that's made in this life as we read and we study your word and, we, and we're willing to submit to what your word says and filter everything through it, our decisions and, and, and who we want to be and the, the, the places that we work and the people we hang with. And God, we, I pray that you would help us as the body, the congregation of Christ to be available and as mentors to young people who are coming up with questions who are searching, who are trying to figure it out. God, that we would be open. And Lord, I know it doesn't matter to you if the mentor is 90 years old and the one being mentored is 12. You will bridge the gap. We have this thing in our country where we feel like, no, we could never relate. God, it's such a lie. God, shoot that lie down, please so that these young people who are launching out into the world would see a gathering of older people who would come around them and love them and would help direct their lives so that their lives would be lived without regret. We didn't say without pain, this world is broken. But we know that the foundation that they're able to stand upon in Christ will get them through and that they will be well. And then in turn, because of those painful experiences, they become the mentors later that can turn around and reach out to the young people who are trying to figure life out. Lord, do that work. We love you. We thank you so much. Lord, I pray your amazing, um, just the revelation, awareness upon these seniors that are launching out into the world. I pray, God, that you would give them eyes to see. Lord, your word tells us that the pure in heart, they shall see God. So, Lord, may there be, be a pursuit, a, a pure-hearted pursuit of you, no matter where they are. And, Lord, protect them, protect their hearts, protect their minds in Christ Jesus as they go out. And we pray that you would protect their bodies, Lord, that you would enable them to live a life where that body is being used for the glory of God. Whatever gift, talent, ability, or place, or work they find themselves doing, we pray that it would be to your glory, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray all of this in your amazing name. All God's people said. Amen. Here's Connor. Man, good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Connor, and as you saw from the video, I've had for the past few years the privilege of serving um, in the youth ministry. And so first off, I just want to say thank you to the parents and the students for sharing your lives um, with the youth ministry over the past few years. And I know as you're growing up, it's been just an awesome experience to get to know you guys, uh, to spend time with you guys going to winter camp or San Francisco on a mission trip or just on Sundays and Thursdays, week in and week out, just getting to know you and be a part of your life. Uh, thank you to the students for sharing yourselves. Um, and thank you to your parents for sharing uh, your students with us. It's been a special privilege, as Parker said, just to have a, even a small impact on the amazing lives that um, your kids are living and that you guys are living. Uh, so just thank you for that. Uh, I just want to real quickly just share a word with you guys, uh, especially for the seniors, but really for everybody here uh, today, and then some next steps for the seniors uh, about college ministry and how to get involved. Um, the word I'd like to share is abide. Jesus says in John 15, verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Uh, as Parker talked about, life is just a bunch of change. It's changed time and time again. Uh, and for seniors, this is one of the biggest, maybe the biggest change in your life up to this point. 
Uh, and Jesus is speaking to the disciples in this verse uh, at the Last Supper. The next day, they're going to lose their king. He's going to be crucified. Um, the biggest change in their, probably their lives, but for sure the last three years of their lives, they followed this guy, um, believing that he is the savior of the world, and they've committed their entire lives, all of their riches, all of their life, all of their livelihoods to him to follow him around, and he is going to die the next day. And Jesus' answer to them in the change is, he says, abide in me, abide in me. And he, he says, follow my commandments. That's how you abide in me. And he says, the greatest in verse 12 uh, commandment is that you love one another as I have loved you. Uh, and I want to pick up on that point, the first point that Reggie said, the practical uh, next step for you guys as you go forth into whatever this next season of life looks like, um, finding a community to abide in. I think Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you because he understands that it is important for us to have people around us um, that we love and that love us back. Um, as much as understanding and rightly dividing the word is, as much as praying uh, and fasting and coming to church on a Sunday in a large gathering, as, as important as that stuff is, having a group of believers, a small group, medium-sized group of believers to be a part of that mentor you, that come alongside you, maybe they're in the same stage as life as you, um, that is so important for me personally. The biggest, most influential thing in my life um, in college and really in my life in general was having a small group of guys to do life with. Uh, and so I want to invite the college or the high school seniors as you guys step into this next season of life um, to come and hang out with us. We hang out on Tuesday nights from 7 to 9. Next week will be, or this week, the 23rd, on Tuesday we'll be in Building 500. Um, some other weeks we'll be in the park. Uh, hanging out, playing football, spike ball. Um, but I want to invite you guys to that. Um, I also know many of you from serving in the youth group, so uh, if you aren't there, I will probably text you and make sure you show up. Um, but even if you are just here for the summer uh, and you're going to be going off to college or doing something in the fall, uh, we'd still love to have you. And even if you're a college student here and you haven't gotten involved, um, we would love also to just to get to know you and get you plugged in uh, and do some smaller groups, get you plugged into the college gathering. Um, and really help you as you go into this next season of life. Um, and even as I say that, I look at Pastor Kirk uh, and what he is doing with Calvary Community Groups. And so as an invitation to the whole church to find a smaller group of believers that they can be a part of, to be a part of the larger body in smaller groups is an important thing. Uh, and so my exhortation to you guys is to find a group like the disciples had, that they can love each other and they can look forward to um, the end, look forward to Jesus coming back, look forward to him rising. Uh, and as we do that together, uh, I encourage you guys, whatever that looks like for high school seniors, get involved on a Tuesday night. Uh, we'd love to have you and for everyone else, get involved in a community group, get involved here on Sunday mornings. We would love um, to make that happen. So uh, as I close here, I'd like to invite up the high school seniors and a few of the fathers, they knew who they are, um, to come up here. And while they do that, uh, I just want to take a moment just to pray over the parents. You guys can come up um, and just line up, I guess, behind me. Uh, to pray for the parents that are sending their students off to this next stage of life, um, maybe saying goodbye or letting them stick around. So you guys will join me in prayer for them. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this time to gather. Lord, I pray um, for these students' parents, Lord. I pray that you would be with them, that you'd give them peace, give them joy. Um, maybe this is a joyous time. They can't wait um, to send their kids off. Or maybe this is a time that they've been dreading for, for years and years. Lord, I just pray that in this season that you would teach them, that you would grow them, Lord, that it would be an amazing time of learning and ultimately of peace and of joy and of love, Lord. Uh, we pray for the parents and we just pray for wisdom as they counsel their students. We pray for us uh, as these students go out and come back with questions and come back with doubts that we would love them through it uh, and that we would not look down on them, but that we would walk alongside them, Lord. And uh, we thank you and we love you, Jesus, in your name, amen. Good morning. Um, if, are there any other seniors out there that are just not coming on up that probably should? I see a hand pointing to another person there. Don't be shy. I had to get up here. I don't belong. <laughs> it's got to be one more because we can't just have her go up all by herself here. Okay, good. Well, I got to tell you, I was super encouraged by, um, by what I heard today. Um, you know, I realized that I've been worrying way too much about my kids. Probably should repent from that, huh? <laughs> um, but I do want to thank uh, 
you know, Parker and Reggie and all the youth leaders out there too that have helped out and poured into these kids because um, honestly, they're like another, you know, other dads and moms that are, that are really desperately wanting to uh, share, you know, God's wisdom, share his son Jesus and just the love that he has for us. And so I am just so, so thankful for um, just the leadership that they have to, you know, to do that and to just pour into our kids. So thanks, you guys. God bless you. <laughs> So let's pray. Let's um, uh, just bow our heads and just uh, commit these guys to, uh, to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today, Lord, and thank you for just the words of encouragement that just come from your word, Lord, and, and just through your spirit. And so, God, I just thank you for just the plans that you have for these young people, Lord. Father, you know them. Um, you knew them before they were born, God, and, and uh, you have a plan for their life. And, and, and Lord, I just am just so thankful as I look back um, just over my own kids' lives, Lord, that, you know, I, I, I see these, like, moments and these testaments of how great you are in their lives. And so they're, you know, they're, they're memorial stones that we remember and that we can just be thankful for, you know, how good you are, Lord. And so, God, as these, you know, as these young people just, some move out of the house, some go into college, some go through some of these changes, Lord, that we've talked about this morning, God, I, Father, I pray that you just be with them, Lord. Father, I pray that you'd grow their faith. I pray that you would just remind them as well as their parents, Lord, about the many promises that are, that are in your word, God, that as they draw near to you, you would draw near to them, that, Lord, that as you have chosen them, God, and you've placed them in your hand, there's nothing that can take them out of your hand, God. So, Lord, I just pray that you would just um, allow their faith to grow. Lord, I pray protection upon their lives, but more that their faith would grow. Lord, not to protect them from trial, but that those trials would have purpose, that, Lord, that they would build their faith, that they would love you, Lord, and that they would just devote their lives to you, God, in, in, in every way. So, Lord, I just commit them to you. I just thank you for them and just the many great plans you have for them, God. Kind Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we have this honor and privilege of being able to lift up these high school seniors to you and support them in prayer as they prepare to graduate and move on to what you have for them next. Lord, I thank you for the reminder of Philippians 1.6 that we can be confident that you began the work, you're continuing the work, you will complete it. You are a faithful God. You love each one of these dear people and you are working their lives in powerful ways some that we see and also in ways that we aren't aware of, but we know that you are um, leading them with a draw on their life to pull them closer and closer to you. And we pray that they would feel that pull and respond to it. Allow your Holy Spirit to draw them into deep relationship with you, Lord, that the things in life that surround them that want to pull them away from you and pull them away from relationship with those who would encourage them in you. And Lord, that those things would become less and less powerful in their lives and that your um, relationship with them, your heart for them would become most powerful in their lives, that they would trust in you with all their hearts, that they would not lean on their own understanding, but in all their ways, they would acknowledge you and thank you that in that you will direct their paths. Make them strong in you, Lord. Make them fearless. Make them bold. That those around them would see the work you are doing in their lives and that would draw them to you as well. And Lord, we come before you in thankfulness for the relationships they've had in their lives to this point, Lord, for parents that love you and love them. Lord, for friends and pastors and teachers and instructors and mentors, Lord, that have brought them to this point in their lives. And Lord, as this change comes upon them, we just pray, Lord, before you that you would protect them from relationships that are dangerous, Lord, but that you would bring people to them that'll help them glorify your name, Lord. Spouses, Lord, girlfriends, boyfriends, new friends, Lord, new pastors, new mentors, new teachers. Lord, I just come before you and ask, Lord, that you would just bring people into their lives that would sharpen them to look more like you, Lord, that would guide them in a path that leads to righteousness. 
And Lord, you have every step of theirs set before you. Lord, let it be as they encounter these others, Lord, that will help them stay on the path and guide them forward and that they could guide others, Lord, in the new friendships that they make towards you. So God, it's in your precious name that we rest and that we hope and that we trust. Amen.